0: This is Tony Franklin here. Well, where's he from? What's the firm Jimmy Page and Paul Rogers. Back in the big head days. You just play that rock and roll. The Joker. Okay? <laughs> not
1: a test this is play that rock and roll podcast edition i'm your host joseph k like the song at the start says just call me joe welcome to the final episode of play that rock and roll of 2020 it's the last episode of our first year and i can't thank everybody enough who's tuned in all year this last episode is another interview This time, our guest is Paul Stevenson, who is the host of The Vintage Rock Pod, a rock and roll podcast out of the UK. Paul launched the podcast just a few months ago in October 2020, and it already has a lot of buzz in his regional media. It's been covered by several UK news outlets, and he's developing a respectable following online. Paul used to be on the radio in the UK, but due to COVID-19, he is now off the air, and he has since decided to use his new free time and also his old connections from his radio days to book a series of long-form interviews with various rock and roll legends. After a decade plus of doing quick hit radio interviews Paul is finally able to host proper long-form discussions with the rock and roll legends he's crossed paths with over the years and he's had an impressive series of guests already some of the big names he's hosted on the show already include drummer Kenny Jones songwriter Jack Tempchen Joey Tempest from Europe Klaus Main from the Scorpions and more Very impressive for a show that's barely four months old. I thought he would make a good guest for this show because his new podcast covers a similar topic that we do here, But he does it with a different approach. And it presented an opportunity to be the first of many conversations I hope to host in the years to come with fellow fans of classic rock. A lot of what we talk about in this interview is about the very nature of fandom itself. And that's something I want to explore more and more as the years go on. And Paul was a great person to start with, as he is a very friendly individual and clearly talented at this spoken word audio medium. His years of experience with this medium really showed through both here, in this interview and also on his show so it was really cool to talk to somebody who's been doing this sort of thing for quite a while now and I really like what he's doing with his podcast because he is now finally free to put together the show he wants to do without the typical constraints of radio now he has the freedom experience and connections to build the sort of interview series that I imagine he's dreamt of for years and years now so i enjoy his show quite a bit and i thought talking to him would be a fun way to close out the year here in the interview you're about to hear we talk about his background on uk radio why he wanted to start the podcast and how he became a fan of classic rock we sort of compare notes on that topic then we talk about a couple of the people he's had on the podcast already and wrap it up with a look at some of his favorite albums if you enjoyed the interview and you want to learn more about Paul, I would really encourage you to find him on social media. He is at pod underscore vintage on Twitter, facebook.com slash vintage rockpod, and vintage rock pod on YouTube. The podcast itself, Vintage Rock Pod, is on every major podcast platform, so wherever you listen to podcasts, just go there and search Vintage Rock Pod. It'll come up. Hit subscribe you won't regret it also all of the video interviews are on his YouTube page so you can see those uh, there as well so without further ado here's my discussion with Paul Stevenson from the Scottish Highlands about his new podcast the vintage rock pod enjoy let's start with this so you and I are both uh, starting podcasts this year what made you want to start this podcast?
0: Um, well, it was, a, it was a funny one, really. Um, I've worked in radio for many years, 17 years, until recently when I was sadly made redundant through COVID-19 purposes, reasons, etc. Um, and so I was on furlough uh, when lockdown happened at the end of March, kind of start of April sort of thing, so I was off for a few months. And like a lot... Of- People did over here in the UK, um, because the pubs were shut and we weren't allowed to go out. I turned my shed into a pub, um, and it was one of those. What? How are we going to do this? It was a bit of a rundown kind of summer house sort of shed sort of thing in the backyard that we had. And um, I, uh, I thought, why don't I do a vintage rock thing? Because I like I like vintage rock music. So that was that was the idea behind it. We got some nice wallpaper. that looked like bricks, kind of Ramon style bricks wallpaper. So it looks really cool. We built the bar, the whole structure for all that sort of stuff. My wife designed a logo with a guitar and all that kind of stuff, and we called it. Um, The Geddes Inn Because we live in a tiny village In the Highlands of Scotland Called Geddes And um, we called it The Geddes Inn Vintage Rock and Roll Bar And I got the, the Led Zeppelins And the Pink Floyd And the Who And sort of posters up on the wall And kind of that's the, the background behind the pub and from that point because I knew I was going to be off for six months and um, with my contacts and stuff I thought why don't I do a podcast because I did a podcast many years ago 2012 I think we did one and um, it was an 80s one actually so we used to interview 80s guests myself and uh, the breakfast show presenter from the radio station that I worked at so we used to speak to all these kind of Martikas and, and Tiffany's and and nick kershaw's and you know i mean all that sort of 80s stuff people love it so we used to go like the 80s rewind festivals and be backstage with them all and hang out and all that sort of stuff so in lockdown i thought why don't i try and do something um kind of vintage rock wise so i thought let's see how we get on with this and i contacted a few people just to see if i could get anywhere and the first person that said yes was uh, kenny jones which is perhaps not a huge name but he drummed with the small faces and then it was him that brought in Uh, ronnie wood and rod stewart into the faces and then when keith moon died the who said we need kenny jones because he's a mod he's one of us and he replaced keith moon when he sadly passed away so that was a big name to start with and when i when i started the podcast in my pub shed (laughs) in the cold in the pub shed it was one of those where i didn't have a proper laptop i didn't have a proper camera the camera was awful the sound quality wasn't great and i thought i'm just gonna go ahead just just do this see how it goes and it all kind of snowballed from there really Wow, Kenny
1: Jones for a first guest. Did you ask him any questions about uh, the Paul Rogers uh, collaboration, The Law?
0: The Law, yes, yeah. so he spoke about that. Yeah, it was, it was a one album thing, and he said he had a great time with, with uh, Paul Rogers. What a fantastic voice, Paul Rogers has got. Oh. One of the best in rock music. But yeah, Kenny's got loads of stories, and he spoke about all sorts of things.
1: Oh, that's great, man. I, I stumbled across the law. I was doing a YouTube video about the firm, and, you know, I found the law from there, and you're right, Paul's got an incredible voice, and I think he just had a birthday, too.
0: But, did, yeah, yeah, a couple of
1: days ago. Yeah. So, okay, so you started off in radio. How did you, uh, let, let's rewind back even further. How did you get into uh, radio, and were, were you were you like disc jockey, or were you a show host, or, 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 what's, or what did you do on the radio?
0: Oh, a bit of everything, to be honest with you. It was one of those, as a kid growing up in, uh, well, I'm 40, so kind of the early 80s, I was one of those that used to sit on the, the front step of the house with your cassette player and your mum and dad's cassettes, and you'd sit there pretending you were some sort of uh, radio presenter, and, and here's, I don't know, uh, Climby Fisher or something, do you know what I mean? Something daft like that. And then um, from that point on, I, I always wanted to be something to do with media. So I did media studies through school. I then went and did my A-levels and did media studies and then I went to university and did uh, media production specializing in radio and I did bits with the, the BBC and stuff like that and then when we finished university we moved up to the highlands of Scotland because as you can tell I'm not a Scottish voice but there you go so we've lived in Scotland for a long long time and I got a job at the radio station up here and um, initially it was kind of volunteering it's, it's the way you get into these sorts of things isn't it you volunteer you do it for free you try your hand in little bits and being a big sportsman I ended up doing football reporting soccer reporting for, for your listeners um <laughs> so i was like, going to games and doing reports back from matches and stuff like that and then it kind of moved slightly on to, to doing radio shows and the first shows i was given was uh, a sound of the 70s show so i did that for about six months um which was great because i got to play like the zeppelin and all that sort of stuff but the problem was you still had to put edison lighthouse in there as well and an Abba and stuff that wasn't so good um, and then the, the managing director kind of realized that my niche was probably not 70s but a bit further on so then he gave me the 80s show which is what i did for the best Part of 11 years so as well as hosting things like that and and i went from being the football reporter out in the freezing cold at matches to being the guy in the studio linking it all together so i did and the sports shows as well as the 80s show and then I ended up doing new music show for rock music and stuff like that so did various things like that but I also worked on the commercial side of it too so I made um, a lot of the production elements and I did um, a lot of the adverts and then ended up script writing and so yeah I've done an awful lot in a lot an awful lot of different parts of radio as well so it's always been been my love uh, radio so yeah that's how I got into radio and that's what I did for for 17 years as I said until recently unfortunately with COVID came and, and bit us all
1: Oh, yeah, unfortunately, what a just miserable year. COVID, COVID has ruined everything. And I know it And our, our local radio stations are suffering too. I just saw on, on one of my favorite stations uh, a long time, it, like loved by the, the fan community, you know, here in Milwaukee, she got let go. And there's a big outpouring on social media. And it's, it's, it's such a bummer so and i i I feel for you and and watching your pod man i know you did it i never heard your radio show but i know you did a good one if it's anything like your podcast
0: (laughs) well thank you very much i appreciate that it's nice
1: so when you when you were doing the radio show did you do this same sort of thing with uh with artists did you do interviews with them or were they were they similar style like short short clips or long form or, or how did you talk to artists when you were on the air
0: Yeah, so when I was doing the 80s show, that's predominantly where we did a lot of the kind of artist interviews and stuff. It has to be a little bit shorter for for commercial radio in the UK. You're talking five minutes at most, kind of three and a half minutes into the song, and then maybe you get another three and a half minutes, five minutes out the back of that. Um, But yeah, it was was always really fun speaking to those sorts of people, whether it's someone from Bucks Fizz or whether it was Joey Tempest from Europe. Do you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a really broad spectrum. And again, I spoke to different personalities as well from from the 80s and over here in the UK there was a, a magician called Paul Daniels who was a household name he was on every Saturday night doing something do you know what I mean so I'd speak to people like him and and weathermen who were big in the 80s and it was always a laugh getting people like that on so yeah I always had a, a bit of fun with with the guests that came on again when I did the sports shows we spoke to, to various different sporting people as well I mean Jessica Ennis Hill who won many gold medals for for Great Britain and in the olympics i interviewed her at some point and, and various footballers and managers and stuff like that over the years as well so yeah i always enjoyed speaking to people and and, and I, I tend to not be too formal about it i don't know if that comes across i like to, to chat and get get stories out of them which is a bit like what i do for the podcast as well rather than just you were number one in 1987 tell me but it's more kind of getting their stories and their sides of things and their feelings and who they work with and all that sort of stuff and talking about them as people as well which uh, which i like to do to find out a bit more about them
1: oh absolutely I love that approach I try to do the same thing I haven't had as many interviews I've only had a, had a few but like I feel doing it conversationally versus sort of a checklist of questions is you, you get more meaningful stuff out of people and it's you know better for the people at home listening to it. at least that's what I would prefer to listen to so that's why I like your show Go on, one last question on the radio days who who was your favorite guest and since you're not on anymore who was your least favorite guest <laughs>
0: ah um oh, that's a good question that. um i don't know about the least favorite but there was one time when um i was supposed to interview uh there was a, the two guys from hue and cry um pat and greg Kane, their brothers and they had a couple of big hits in the 80s looking for linda and things like that and um i'd completely forgotten all about the fact i was supposed to be interviewing them so i was oh. off doing something else and i got a phone call and um it was like pat and greg are waiting for you you're dialing in it was like oh yep (laughs) it was one of them where I literally ran into the studio I sat down behind the microphone I opened my fader and I just thought I don't know anything about their new album it was one of those where it had been and I'd completely forgotten and it's like I normally like to go back and listen to other interviews and look at the the, the timeline and the history and kind of go from there and it was one of those where it's like so guys you've got a new album out tell me about it and it was like they they did the waffle and I was like good you enjoyed the 80s and you had some big hits yeah Thanks very much for joining us. And then, she, do you know It was oh. like it was a terrible interview, but yeah, it was one of them. And there was another story as well. Where I was, um, I was stuck doing something else that I shouldn't have been at the time. And um, I got called out by the managing director, and I was, I was dealing with something that I shouldn't and needed to be dealing with. And I got a phone call from Midgeur on my personal mobile phone, saying, "Are we still okay for this interview?" And I was like, ah, "Who's this?" And he's like, "This is Midge Midgeur. We're interviewing at whatever time it was." And I thought. Oh yeah, well, and I had to wangle my way out of that and rearrange that one as well. So that was a that was a bizarre one. And then oh, there's another one as well. Steve Strange. I remember phoning him. I had uh, this this was his fault this time though. And okay. um, I remember organising an interview through his manager, and um, he picked up the phone and I was like, "Hi, Steve. It's just Paul. Paul. Paul, who?" And I was like, "Oh, right. I, I've sorted it out through." your manager uh, for an interview today for, for the radio station blah 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 and then he put on the worst worst kind of ill feeling he was oh, oh so, sorry paul i'm not too i'm, I'm not feeling very well today or oh, yeah oh, oh, all that sort of stuff and i thought that is the worst excuse ever so i was like no problem at all i'll get back in touch with your manager we'll we'll reschedule and uh, the worst part of it all is we never got to reschedule and um, it never just never came off and then uh, i think it was just under a year later he sadly passed away so i never oh, got to, right. to interview him. Yeah. so steve strange from visage it would have been great but
1: right oh man that's wild though those you know i one of my last interviews was uh was a local guy uh named steve Palick, who is a, a radio host he's been doing a legendary radio show here in milwaukee for like 30 years and you know the what i'm picking up from just hearing you talk about it and what he was saying about it is like there is radio is such a chaotic medium behind the scenes (laughs) and and a a typical listener wouldn't guess it because everything on radio tends to flow so nicely but it i just picture every radio dj frantically running all over the the studio at points you know juggling all sorts of stuff
0: and it's very much like the duck metaphor it looks perfectly gracious on top of the water but underneath the legs are going like crazy yeah yeah yeah.
1: Gosh, yeah, that terrifies me. I think that's why, you know, podcasting is for me because I don't don't think I could skate on that ice, you know, if you know what I mean, but uh, very cool, very cool. Okay, so you're you're off the radio now. You've got a great studio and a setup for a podcast, Um, and I, I take it what we call classic rock, that great era from like the late 60s to the early 90s. Would you say that's your absolute favorite music?
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, again, being forty, I kind of miss most of that. So by yeah. the time the end of the eighties came, I was I was well, ten. So it was one of them. So I grew up in a time when it was kind of my my early teens. I was going to see Oasis and Pulp and Stereophonics and Manic Street Preachers. You know, the the UK indie scene. That was who my friends were into. So and that was my early concert experiences but later on i then went and saw some of the the classic bands that did tour live but yeah in terms of the music itself that's the sort of thing i listen to i've got um i've got four kids my youngest is eight and he he loves led zeppelin he loves bowie he he walks around singing cheap trick it's that sort of thing do you know what i mean so he's he's got it uh, (laughs) entrenched because i'm playing that much that kind of music all around the house all the time so so yeah
1: that's fantastic. Is that the sort of stuff that, that you grew up with around the house? Because I think that's what happened with me. Like, my, you know, I grew up with my dad playing uh, Bruce Springsteen and the Monkees, and these are songs that just drilled somewhere in the back of my head, and I just always wanted to hear more of that. How did you determine that like, this era, this genre of music was really the stuff that, that moved you?
0: Yeah, well, um, my mum and dad spoke when I was about nine. So the first early years, my mum and dad listened to likes of um, Queen. My dad used to love Queen. So I remember one Christmas Eve, I couldn't get the usual kid thing. Can't get to sleep, can't get to sleep. He gave me his cassette Walkman thing. And I was listening to Queen to try and get me to sleep. And they used to love like Big Country and Fleetwood Mac and all that sort of stuff that, that they listened to. But then when my mum got remarried, um, my stepdad was into the heavier stuff. Um Led Zeppelin and all that sort of thing. And I remember there was one album of his that I, I borrowed, stole, took, and I, I just played it until it kind of it wore out and it was called Purple Rainbows. It was... Um it wasn't an actual album it was one of these compilation ones of different bands so it had like some deep purple on there it had um, rainbow on there it had Dio on there it had gillen on there it had uh, graham bonnet on there it had a bit of white snake on there david coverdale and i remember first hearing that sort of thing and and rock and roll and i was like jeez that's a great song and then you've came on and you're like whoa what is this music and as a 10 year old it was like wow this is I, I love this this is this is the sort of stuff i want to get into so from that point on that's when i started to get into your blue oyster cults and and you deep purples and ufos and uriah heaps and you're listening to this and you're thinking this is this is great and pink floyd i used to love pink floyd as well and i always remember uh, we had the vhs of uh, was it live in pompeii i think it was i used to watch that over and over again just the the guys playing the stuff so so yeah that's what kind of where it came from my, my my stepdad for the heavier kind of classic rock is where i got my love of rock music yeah
1: oh very cool You mentioned Blue Oyster Cult. I just listened to their new album, uh, The Symbol Remains, just yesterday. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd you like it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I really do. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that classic feel. It still feels like Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, a lot of bands kind of evolve over the time. ACDC certainly don't, because their new (laughs) album is very ACDC. But you can listen to some bands. I mean, we, we, we talked about Europe earlier and some of Europe's newer stuff. Uh, bag of bones and stuff it sounds like i don't know 20, 2000s metal do you know what i mean it does yeah sound very yeah different. super heavy yeah yes it does sound very different whereas that blue call you listen to it and you go that's blue call even the imagery the sound the same with with deep purple as well that the new album this year was very good
1: oh yeah I, I haven't heard that one yet but i've been trying to catch up on, on the, the 2020 releases, but uh, Blue Oyster Cult, it's impressive that they sound so consistent with their earlier stuff, even
0: though they got that new singer. And he sounds really good. Heart, the Do it takes the night and like I said, uh, it's this, the song choices, it's the, 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 the types of lyrics they sing as well, it's, it's what they're all about, it just fits in so nicely with Blue Oyster Cult and everything they've always done is what fans want isn't it
1: oh certainly <laughs> so when it comes to fandom like besides seeing live music and, and besides obviously being to you know on the radio and having a podcast what do you do that makes the fandom personal do you do you have a big like classic rock uh record collection do you do you like own memorabilia or you like reading a lot of rock books like what are the sorts how does the classic rock fandom manifest itself in, in your life
0: yeah well it's, it's one of those and um, i didn't well, I used to have a, a big collection of CDs. I used to have a huge collection of CDs. Oh. But then over the years, they've kind of just become non-existent. I don't know. I see behind you, you've got an awful lot there. I've, I've moved about a bit. And then when we came up here, my wife never really had anywhere to put them. So it just ended up being... Um, a lot of streaming So Spotify Is where I kind of Get all my music I do like my, my rock star biographies, So I've read a few of them um, uh, Which is pretty cool Slash's one is fantastic So I uh, <laughs> I always recommend that one That's one of the best ones Out there um, And there's one on Stevie Nicks As well which I love Because Stevie's fantastic I've always loved Fleetwood Mac, Mike So um, Just books on them In general And and yeah Because obviously I've been quite lucky to, to, to meet some of these people As well So I've got some Signed bits and bobs Here there and everywhere And um, I got one Through the post Just a couple of weeks ago Steve Harley. Cockney Rebel. He had the number one hit with Come Up and See Me, Make Me Smile Around the World and various other big hits in the UK and stuff like that. He released a new, a new album um, at the start of the year, but obviously he couldn't really promote it at all with it because of uh, COVID. So he sent me um, a signed copy of his new album just just last week. So that was, that was very cool. Oh,
1: that's awesome. You started the podcast uh, just a few months, actually, just, just a few months ago, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. First yeah. one was October 5th.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So, you, so, so, you're, you're. The show is relatively new, but you, you're putting out episodes almost weekly. Do you have a schedule, a set schedule, or is that just how quickly you've been had been able to turn them around?
0: Uh, yeah, well, I'm kind of sticking to once a week. It comes out on a Monday. That's the way the podcasts are rolling at the moment, and I've been fortunate enough to have enough guests to, to keep that viable. Obviously, you can have a bit of a break over Christmas because it has been a bit of a hamster on the wheel sort of job, and it's kind of fortunate in one way that i don't actually have a full-time job to to take me away or distract me from from doing all this sort of stuff so yeah at the moment it is a release every monday with um with, with interviews on it but it's not just an interview I have um, a news section at the start where I've got a journalist who comes on every week and gives me three big stories from the week he works for Universal Music uh, their website You Discover Music and he writes for Record Collector Magazine and uh, we also have um, a guy from Los Angeles actually we have an American representative on every show um, who works for History of Rock uh, Facebook page which is powered by Ranker.com we've got 300,000 people who follow that page and he comes on and gives us um, random facts about various different topics and stuff like that that Ranker run through the History of Rock Facebook page so it's not just a case of an interview because sometimes you can be put off by the guest that week. I don't know, so it's more of an all-rounded classic rock show. So you get your rock facts, you get your, your rock news, you get your rock interview, and then also within there, I put in a top five as well. So whoever's been on that week, whether it's someone from Dire Straits or Europe or Scorpions or whoever it is, I, I, I give my opinion on the best five songs of theirs. So there's always a little top five. So there's always a little different segments and stuff within the show as well.
1: Yeah, I like the top five segment. I was watching a couple of those on your YouTube channel, and I saw the Europe one, and I agree, Rock the Night is way better than Final Countdown. But if, if I my own editorial on that is uh, Cherokee has got to be somewhere in the, in the top five for me, at least. Uh, you, might, you might find this funny. So you know the song Cherokee by Europe, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah so I saw Europe only once about five years ago, and they were playing a casino here in Milwaukee. Now in Milwaukee and most of America, uh, casinos can only be owned by Native Americans. So the casino they were playing at was Indian owned. It was Potawatomi Potawatomi Casino. And they get to Cherokee, and I realized that suddenly there's this full room of people shouting along like this rock anthem, marching on the Trail of Tears. tears. It wasn't malicious. It just felt so weirdly, uh, but like that rock and, that, 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 that cheeky, inappropriate rock and roll vibe that was just such a funny moment for me. Uh, because, you know, The Trail of Tears, that's how you tell English isn't the first language, because that's not something you should put in a sing-along chorus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not really, no. Yeah. <laughs> but it works. But
1: it does work. It's a great song. But anyway, just I, I digress. That I, I like Europe a lot. I, I love that first record. So With the podcast now, you, you've got it started. You've got a regular schedule of release now. What would you say the ultimate goal of this show is? Do you want this to go on for years and years, or are you trying to build to, to something beyond it?
0: Um, I don't know. It was, it was a difficult one because, like I said, at the start, when I started it, I didn't start with any kind of thought of becoming anything in particular. It wasn't with the, the ultimate goal of taking over the world or anything like that. It was just this is me, what am I going to do to fill my time, to keep myself creative, to keep myself doing things that I love and it was just a, it was a way of doing something that I felt was positive was positive and, and putting back out there and it, it kind of grew arms and legs as well because obviously I've worked in, in radio so I managed to spin a little bit of what I did and, and got some national newspaper coverage in Scotland and Um, quite a few were picking up on it and it was quite good and then I managed to get on uh, BBC radio as well which is pretty cool I was invited on as a guest to go and speak about how my podcast started and how it all worked and how that helped with mental health and all that sort of stuff so that was pretty cool as well so it grew quicker than I thought it would have done um which helped obviously secure extra guests and stuff but eventually i don't know it'd be it's difficult isn't it unless you're i don't know rogan or something like that it's not really gonna be a full-time job because it's not gonna pay the bills but it, it would be nice to to just reach out there and and get as many listeners as possible that's what you can really aim for and hope to 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 satisfy the listeners needs and, and hope that they keep coming back for more
1: yeah i i hear that for sure and and it's it's an impress it's in- impressive what you've done with it already. I listened to uh your Eddie Van H- Halen tribute not long ago and I thought that was really well done.
0: If I can just interject on that Eddie Van Halen thing, it was one of those I was actually messaging with um Steve Spears who does a podcast called Stuck in the 80s. Now they've been oh, yeah. going 15 plus years and they're, they're a huge huge kind of outlet now and he said quite funnily on, on one of the, the episodes I interviewed him on he said um, the podcast has been going longer than the decade itself now because it's all about the 80s <laughs> which is a bit bizarre but there you go and um, so I was actually messaging with him um, nighttime UK whatever it was middle of the day in America and he just stopped in the messages just stopped for a couple of minutes I thought okay he's gonna be quiet maybe he's doing something and he just replied with Eddie's died and I thought Oh. You know, is this his cat? Is this his friend? Is this his, I don't know, who's Eddie? And then he came back and he was like, Eddie Van Halen's died. And I thought, oh, crikey. So it kind of, within 48 hours, I had this podcast all wrapped up. But I got hold of him. I got hold of um, a biographer of Eddie Van Halen as well, who wrote a book yeah. about him. I spoke to Planet Rock in the UK, their Drive Time host, and he came on and spoke to me about it as well. And yeah, it was just so nice just to pull it all together. And I was up in the middle of the night, obviously doing some of these interviews with people in America, because obviously the time difference uh, with the UK. So... It was yeah, it was, it was a satisfying one to put together, and I I, I think it really worked nicely as well. There some really nice touching bits within it.
1: Absolutely, you know that's I think that's why I liked it because it was just it was up right away, and you know as fans we're all looking for you know some sort of conversation about the guy to vicariously uh, mourn, you know, but yeah that was well done. So you're you're living in the Highlands of Scotland. Pardon my geographical ignorance, but are you relatively close to, I'm I'm not going gonna, gonna to butcher how you pronounce it, but where Bon Scott was born?
0: <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. Um, we are actually not far from Inverness, from Loch Ness Monster Territory. Oh, okay. You know, we're, we're more where, um, I don't know, was it Jimmy Page, wasn't it, that bought the the, the castle on the loch right. that was owned by the famous yeah devil worshipper and all that sort of stuff, so we're not far from there.
1: Okay, okay. So maybe you'll find some old Aleister Crowley books laying around somewhere. That's the one. Yeah, very good. So, um, you know, living out there, I mean, you know, we both sort of have this thing where, you know, uh, major tours don't necessarily stop by. But you-, you did mention you saw some live music when you were younger. What sort of concerts have you seen in your years being a rock fan?
0: Yeah, well, obviously, like I said earlier, being kind of teenager in the mid 90s it was all indie in the uk the Euro oasis is all that sort of stuff but later on i managed to see some more classic rock acts that were doing the rounds like the blondie i saw them a few times and um, rem uh, blue oyster cult juice joe strummer uh, stranglers that sort of stuff and then um one of the best ones was actually newcastle town hall my my uncle was a promoter a music promoter and he, he brought the animals back eric burden and all that sort of stuff to newcastle city hall and he he managed to usher us backstage so we were kind of off to the side watching a band like this along there and it's like oh god they're playing and obviously the, the big encore was House of the Rising Sun and oh, yeah. they brought actually a bagpiper on stage to do it at the beginning and the place went wild and yeah that, that was that was pretty phenomenal
1: <laughs> there's not a lot of bands rock bands that can pull off the bagpipes with any sort of dignity and grace I think maybe them and, and Bon Scott right <laughs> that's it <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> pretty oh, much that's... although when i was speaking to um scorpions frontman klaus mine he was saying that when they played was it I think it was glasgow last they had a, a piper up on stage with them at some point as well so really? yeah, that was quite fun
1: oh, i'll have to check that out that's what maybe they could do that too that's that's great okay I'll, I'll give you a three what what are the three records you're stranded on a desert island what are the three records you need to bring with you
0: oh wow okay oh um God, it's always difficult, isn't it? Because you, it you think, you know, and then when you go to speak about it, you have to pick something else. Um, I'd have to pick Fleetwood Mac because they're, if not my favorite band, they're definitely up there. And whenever you get your Spotify end of year kind of wrap ups, they're always, I think last year they were they were top and this year they were third on my most listened to list. So I'd have to pick a Fleetwood Mac album. And I'll probably say, maybe controversial. I'll go Tango in the Night. I've always loved that album. Maybe slightly popular, but they've got some heavier songs on there as well. Caroline and, isn't it midnight and even tango in the night's a brilliant track as well yeah brilliant so tango in the night that'd have to be there um i would have to say pearl jams 10 because that was just a phenomenal album um kind of slightly out of the, the reaches of classic rock but in terms of an album that really left a real impression on me uh pearl jams 10 that'd have to be have to be up there and a third one do you know what? i'm gonna be cheeky here i'm gonna say my, my my compilation my uh, purple rainbows album <laughs> i'll take that with me because that's a mix of everyone from deep purple and rainbow and david coverdale and gillen and graham bonnet and um dio like night games and rock and roll children all these sort of random songs are on there so yeah those if, those if nobody's ever heard that i don't know i don't even know if it's in publication anymore but right yeah, <laughs> go with that
1: well there was just yeah there's just so many of those odd, oddball compilations i have a whole on my record shelf, I have a whole collection of just these just off-the-wall oddities uh, that are just compiled. Who knows who put them together, how they got the rights, but somehow they did. Uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, great pick on Tango in the Night. Uh, you know, that, that's my favorite Fleetwood Mac album. And it, it is sort of controversial to say that, but I think it, it edges out rumors. So, very, very cool stuff. Maybe
0: maybe it's just people of our age because I don't know, Rumors was was massive and I get it and it's got some fantastic songs on there I'm not going to argue otherwise but I think in terms of an album that I can pop from the start to the end and just enjoy every single song and like I said it maybe is a little poppy at times as well but it still does have some great rock tracks on there and and Fleetwood Mac are brilliant anyway whether it's Christine singing or Stevie singing or Lindsay singing they're always brilliant.
1: Oh absolutely Do you ever go, uh, you know they they had one from 2003 uh, that was surprisingly good do you find yourself enjoying a lot of late-era classic rock records? You know, given that you know none of those songs ever go on the radio, and fans even tend to forget about them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes it can work quite well. I mean, I, I like some of the kind of late seventies punk as well. I'm not your obvious kind of oh. I don't know Sex Pistols or whatever or the damn, but the likes of Buzzcocks and stuff like that, and they've brought some really good stuff recently. And and even um, I don't know. Joe, no, not Joe Strummer. Um, Hugh Cornwell from the Stranglers. He brought out a couple of really good albums, "Elation Fields" and things like that. And then, kind of two thousands, are really good. So, yeah, I think I think sometimes it works really well, um, and other times you just think just leave it alone and play the hits mate but (laughs) I don't know it's kind of hit or miss sometimes isn't it but again we spoke about the three really good ones from this year I mean Deep Purple, Bloysticle and ACDC have all brought out some fantastic albums this year and it's great to see that the classic rockers can still rock and let's be honest 2021 is going to be full of tremendous music because that's all musicians are going to be doing this year isn't it because they're they're not out touring they're going to be at home recording so we're, we're looking forward to some fantastic music coming out in 2021.
1: Absolutely couldn't agree more. I was shocked that ACDC had another one ready to go. Even before they finished that before the pandemic and you know, Phil Rudd was back. That that I, I'm just impressed they got all those guys in the same room again. But yeah, that that the new one's pretty good. Well Paul, this has been great to meet you, man. Um you're you're the podcast is brand new, but it's already developing a following. You know, you've been on the BBC, tell me, tell us, fans, what are the best ways for people to find your podcast and listen to
0: it? Uh, the best ways are looking on all the usual kind of places, you know, Apple, iTunes, or whatever it is that you use, Apple Podcasts sort of thing, um or Spotify, or Deezer, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whichever one it is. Just search for Vintage Rock Pod. And uh, you'll see our nice little logos on them. We have um, a different guest on each on, on each episode, or sometimes two or three on there as well, which are really good. And even if you don't like the the, the person I'm interviewing, or you, you weren't a big fan of the band uh, that the, the person's from, have a listen because we had one from a guy called um, Bob Catley, who a lead singer of a band called Magnum. Now they're kind of a hard rock band from the UK, bigger in the '80s than anything else. But he had stories about because he's from Birmingham, the Midlands of England, and um, he had stories of the early days when he used to have lock-ins with. Black Sabbath and Geezer would be there and Tony and Ozzy and you're like just listening thinking oh that's good and then they, he was discovered by um, Jeff Wynn from ELO and you think oh, All right, okay another name and then one of their albums was um was produced by uh, Roger Taylor of Queen, and you think, "All right." And then he says they were backstage at uh, they were VIP guests at Queen's Wembley gig, and they went to the uh, after-show party. And you're thinking, "Oh my word!" So even if you're not a big fan of the of the the artist I'm interviewing, you're going to get stories about stuff like that as well. And not just uh, the artists I, I've interviewed, some songwriters. and um, there's a big um, American songwriter called Jack tempchin who yeah. was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, for the the songwriters and he wrote peaceful easy feeling and stuff like that for the eagles and um a lot of glenn glenn fry solo stuff smugglers blues and stuff like that so he was great to chat with and uh, there's a uk songwriter who wrote stuff for the beatles and decided he didn't want them to release it because he wasn't good enough and he gave it to another big 60s band from england called jerry and the pacemakers who went and had a number one hit with it and his records have sold half a billion around the world and he's got some fantastic stories as well so whether the big names or big bands they, they are all really good interviews so yeah check them out
1: that's real good. Yeah, I saw you interview Jack Chempchen and I like him quite a bit. Those Glenn Frey solo songs in the 80s, those soundtrack hits, are some of my favorites. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you have him back on, ask him to talk about his song. I think it's called The Thong Song.
0: When you wear that song,
1: when you wear that song, I can sing my song. put it on a record <laughs> but but he put it on his he, he, yeah yeah he, he posted it on his facebook page like a bunch of, a couple of years ago and it's just about how much he loves seeing women wearing thongs
0: eh. <laughs> i've got his email address he was emailing me the other day so i'll, I'll drop it back to him because oh, i sent sure. him a little That's news clipping about someone getting Someone going to prison because they hit the the bandmate over the head with a guitar because they kept getting a, a chord wrong in peaceful easy feelings so oh. <laughs> clipping out the newspaper. That's too funny. <laughs> awesome man. Well, hey,
1: thanks for stopping by. As as one rock and roll podcaster to the other, I, I'm so glad that you're out there uh, on your side of the pond advocating for the music that we love. You know, I don't I don't see any sort of like competition or any weird weirdness between podcasts i love that i love that there's more hopefully more and more of us talking about this great music because sadly these guys you know they're older than us and you know they're coming off the road and some of them we've we sadly lost so i think it's really up to us the fans to keep this stuff uh to keep the music alive so i love what you're doing and and it was real fun talking to you it's good to meet you too paul so thank you
0: yeah thank you very much joseph for having me on your show and i'll echo that sentiment wholeheartedly i mean podcasts, uh, you don't have to sit in, it's not like a movie. You don't have to sit for two hours and, and listen. Some of, us, some, of, some of ours are 30, 40 minutes so you can be over and done with in no time. And there's no problem with skipping through different people's podcasts. I do like listening to yours. So yeah, absolutely check out all the podcasts you can.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Well, good luck to you, my man. Take care of yourself. Stay safe and best wishes in 2021.
0: Absolutely. The same to you as well, Joseph. Thanks very much for having me on. All right.
1: And that was Paul Stevenson, host of the new
0: podcast,
1: The Vintage Rock Pod. I'd like to thank Paul again for being such a great guest to close out the year on. And I'd also like to thank him for hosting me uh, for a segment on his show as well. That segment hasn't aired yet, but when it does, I, of course, will post it on on my social media. But it was great speaking to him uh, for both segments that we did. I wish him the best of luck on the new show, I really like what he's doing with it, and I'm also very glad to see more classic rock podcasts starting. As I said to him at the end of the interview, it's our job now as the fans to step up and keep this music and these stories alive, and he's doing his part, and he's getting some great stories out of these guys, so it's a real treat uh, to see him take that radio experience and that background. and. And present a really good uh, podcast with it And I think he's destined for great things with it Whatever he's got planned next I'll definitely be tuning in It's a very good show So again, you can find him at facebook.com Slash Vintage Rock Pod And at pod underscore vintage on Twitter And he's on YouTube as well You can listen to the Vintage Rock Pod On all of the usual podcast platforms Just search Vintage Rock Pod It'll come up So once you follow Paul on social media and you subscribe to his podcast on your preferred podcast platform, please remember the big four things you can do to support this show that don't cost a dime, totally free. One, listen to the show. Hey, if you're at this point of the interview, I believe you've already done it, so nice job. Thank you very much. Two, recommend the show. If you have any family or friends or if you see someone online who's looking for a podcast about music especially rock and roll please mention our show and while you're at it mention Paul's show three find us on social media at play that podcast on Twitter facebook.com slash play that podcast and youtube.com slash C slash play that rock and roll follow like and subscribe to us on those social media platforms. A lot of great material in all three places. And finally, the fourth thing you can do to support this show is to give us a good rating and a nice review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to. I can't stress this enough. That sort of thing is so important for a young show. It really helps with visibility. And again, this show, like Paul's, is still less than a year old. So ratings and reviews really help. And if you would take a moment to just do that, I would really appreciate it. And with that, I'd like to thank Paul once again for stopping by. And I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in, not just today, but for all the shows we did this year. It means quite a bit. A lot of great stuff coming in 2021, so stay tuned. And to play us out, here's a number from that Purple Rainbows album Paul was telling us about. See you next year.
0: Perfect, thank you very much. I enjoyed that, that was good fun.
1: Yeah it was!